It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The Toronto Raptors are back in the playoffs. And on today's episode of Locked On Raptors, we're going to dig into how it happened with the win over the Atlanta Hawks last night. We will talk about Pascal Siakam's 31-13-6 to continue an all-NBA-level season. We will dig into some bench questions and some rotation oddities from last night that could play a part once we get to the postseason. And, of course, uh, the Raptors 905. They are heading up their playoff run tomorrow in Mississauga. And we have a wonderful guest here who covers the 905 better than anybody else. It's Andrew Damlin from Raptors Republic. He's going to hop on, and we are going to dig into the 905 to close out the show. But that's all coming up after we dig into the eighth playoff appearance in nine years for your Toronto Raptors on today's episode. Let's get to it. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1153 of Lockdown Raptors for Wednesday, April the 6th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at Woodley Sean. You can find the show at Lockdown Raptors. And you can follow, subscribe to, rate, review the podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps. Please go support the shows there in audio form. And you can watch the videos every day on YouTube. Just search up Locked on Raptors on YouTube. Go to the channel, hit the big red subscribe button, and join the 1,800 satisfied customers who have already taken the leap. Even if you're not going to watch the videos, just please do it to help juice the stats. That's what we're in this uh, business for. Anyway, uh, thank you as always for making us your first listen of the day as well. Let's get to it. We have a wonderful guest, a returning guest of the show. Hasn't been on for a while, but very happy to have him back. It is, of course, Andrew Damlin from Raptors Republic covering Raptors 905 excellently over there. He hosts the Honey Drop podcast covering my local team in the Canadian Elite Basketball League, the Hamilton Honey Badgers. And he also works over at TSN. Andrew, how the hell are you, man? The Raptors are back in the playoffs. Isn't it a beautiful thing? They're back. The Tampa tank is past us. And it's (laughs) another playoff run for the Raptors. Last year, uh, I, it's not canon, I think, is uh, where I'm going with this. It's like those weird Star Wars cartoons that people say, ah, that's not really part of the canon. Like, Don't, don't worry about anything that happens in there. Uh, last year was fake. Uh, so really, eight consecutive real seasons in which the Raptors have made the postseason. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, and we're going to dig into the game last night against the Hawks that sealed it all up in concert with the Cavs loss to our Orlando Magic, baby. Shout out Mo Bamba. Shout out Mo Wagner and everyone else down there chipping in. Markel Fultz had himself a big game, and the Raptors are guaranteed no worse than six in the East. They currently sit fifth with the Bulls losing to the Bucks last night. And uh, if the playoffs began today, which they don't, it would be Raptors, Sixers in round one, which is all kinds 
of juicy. But we should dig into the game last night, Andrew. The uh, big takeaway, what was it for you? Did you have a sort of thing you really was kind of your overarching takeaway from last night's big win over the Hawks? Not the hottest take, but Pascal Siakam working from the top of the key mm-hmm. and just not just scoring in the paint, making sure he gets the paint touch every time. He's getting two feet in the paint and then making a spray out tons of great driving kicks. But is he going to be that guy that you can count on as that get-a-bucket ball handler? There was one basket that you would never see in a, in a highlight reel. <laughs> I think it was, it was the end of the third quarter, maybe. It was just a little... 18 foot step back jumper, just a mid range mm-hmm. jumper that I felt like in the last couple of years he went away from. Mm-hmm. And haven't seen that much of it this year, actually, either. But that jump shot is like a playoff jump shot. We need a bucket jump shot. That yeah. really stood out to me because everything else he's been doing for pretty much the last, I don't know, 40, 50 games or so. Yeah, I mean, he's been uh, just ridiculous. Last night, 31, 13, and 6 on 12 of 23. He goes 1 of 4 from 3, 6 of 8 from the line. Uh, Just, he was, as has been the case for most games this season, or at least since December, uh, he is the driving force of everything on offense that happens to be good. And, you know, it was a little bit touch and go there for a while because for the first half of this game, it really was just Siakam kind of doing the work. And, you know, you got some nice contributions from the bench. I thought Chris Boucher was fantastic. Precious Achua did some good work in the second quarter. But, you know, the shots weren't falling. Fred Van Vliet had himself a miserable shooting night. Of course, as everybody knew would happen, he hits the big one late uh, to go, I think, what, 2 of 12 from 3 in the game. Um, you know, the, the, I guess you only are really remembered for what you did for me lately. And, boy, that, that 3 he hit is it's certainly a nice thing to do for you lately. Just a uh, casual, the casual yeah. four for 21 from the field. But on that <laughs> final play against Siakam gets into the lane. He, I can't remember who was in the corner, but he gets in the air and he's mm-hmm. hoping for that corner shot. But the last second, I think DeAndre Hunter closes in on him. He sees Fred at the wing and there's a trustworthy man, three for 20 at the time. But there's someone who doesn't care that he's three for 20. Uh, yeah. And he had been playing well coming into the game as of late, Van Vliet. So you can still trust him to be confident enough to make that shot, and the, the shot was pure. And it does sound like he, uh, Nick Nurse said he's probably going to go for a little bit of pre-playoff rest at this point. It won't be until at least the 16th that the Raptors get into a game one in the playoffs. So 10 days off here for Fred. If they do shut him down for the rest of the regular season, which I think is a totally smart and reasonable idea considering they're locked into a top six spot, uh, hopefully that gets him back to some level of, you know, I don't think he's going to be 100% because I don't think anybody really is this time of year, but you can get him back to 85, 90. That would be uh, pretty fantastic. So, that's uh, one of the good benefits of locking down this playoff spot with three games to go. Um, back to Pascal. You mentioned DeAndre Hunter, and I thought what happened with DeAndre Hunter last night was kind of a really good um, good sign for what lies ahead in the postseason for Pascal. I've been talking on the podcast recently about how I am growing in confidence in terms of how Siakam's regular season play is going to translate to the postseason because he's been doing it against such difficult defense you know teams really selling out to stop him and yet he still found a way I mean last night was a perfect encapsulation of what we've seen from him a lot this year where first three quarters he kind of goes ham poor Timothy Luawu Cabarro uh <laughs> just like getting put in the bucket time after time I don't know what he did to Nate McMillan to uh deserve such a fate but 
boy, he, he, he did something because it took a long time for McMillan to make that change and put Hunter on Siakam. Hunter guards him for the last seven minutes or so of the fourth quarter. And DeAndre Hunter, very good defensive player. He's a problem. And Siakam realized that and tried and didn't try to force the issue with Hunter on him. He got his own buckets, his own shots off a couple times. He got into good position. I think he only scored two points in the fourth quarter, but he went into full playmaker mode and he happened to have guys finally start knocking down shots on the other end of his passes. Um, I, I just thought it was a really brilliant adjustment from Siakam to realize, okay, I can't go do the thing I've been doing all night against this guy. So I'm going to go and spray it around everybody else. I thought they did a good job too of getting the ball out of Siakam's hands a couple times, getting it into Scotty Barnes's hands, for example. Didn't love the Fred-centric possessions necessarily, even mm -hmm. though he got a lot of bunch of open looks. Didn't feel like it was his night. I didn't love that call. But, uh, you know, Siakam, I think just the the way that he's processing what defenses are doing to him is really impressive. Are you similarly confident that we should see much of this translate over to the postseason? I think it's what it's going to have to be. Because mm -hmm. Fred Van Vliet hasn't proven right now, anyway, to be that shot creator at the moment. Although it could be Scotty Barnes in, in parts. He had the quietest, what, 19 and 14, I think. You could, yeah, really you could nice have, game from Scotty. Yeah. <laughs> you could have seven for 13 from the field, just picking his spots as well. No, I think you should be confident in it. It was those little, those little bunny shots in the lane that are like not quite layups, just flip shots that he's got the touch on right now with, with, with Siakam. But the thing is, I think defenses are obviously going to key in on him. And is Chris Boucher or Preston Sachua, are they going to make that corner three? Which, you know, Boucher made, I think, two early corner threes in the fourth quarter that sort of stemmed the tide before that big five-minute drought that they had. Yeah. So yeah. I think, that, like, like so many series, it comes down to that shaky corner three shooter. We're going to give it to you. We're going to give it to you, Grant Williams for Boston. You're going to make those shots against the Raptors yeah. in the bubble, that kind of thing. So... If those shots can be somewhat reliable, then I can really picture a first round upset, especially against Philadelphia. Yeah, like it is so dependent. And as much as Siakam is amazing, and I, I like I said, I think he's going to translate things over to the postseason pretty well. It is going to be very much dependent on can the guys around him hit shots. It's pretty simplistic, but like the Raptors run a pretty simplistic offensive system, really. It's Pascal, go do something good, please, and more often than not. And, you know, oftentimes he will create something good. It's just, are those being left as potential assists or actual assists or secondary assists that after the swing or whatever it might be, that I think will kind of be the pivotal factor here. And it works in a bunch of guys from the second unit. Uh, and you're relying on Precious Achua to knock those down. You're relying on Chris Boucher, like you said, who was fantastic last night. He had 18 points. Uh, it was three of five from downtown, like real, it's such an infusion of of scoring and offense when those guys off the bench have those heater nights, and you're going to need a lot of those in the playoffs. Every team needs those from all of their role players in the playoffs, but it feels especially important with the Raptors because their pathway to getting looks is very narrow, right? It's it's Pascal more often than not, and then the odd time Scotty or a post-up from OG if he's available or Fred once in a while, but yeah, it, it really is Siakam-centric, and you know, th I guess this is what happens with all heliocentric teams, right? Giannis Antetokounmpo is amazing, uh, but if all of the dudes on his team are missing threes against the Raptors in a conference final, they're going to lose, and that's just how it is. Um, so, yeah, any last thoughts here on Pascal before we move on and talk about the bench? I think if they're facing the Sixers, the other way they can get baskets, even though it's the playoffs, is in transition because mm -hmm. their team, the Sixers do give up transition baskets, and obviously sure. the Raptors are good in transition, so it's not like 
100% of it is going to be cut off, especially if you face Philadelphia. So that's another place, I think, also in the secondary break, those like pitch back plays that uh, Pascal and Fred work so nicely. I and mean, also Gary Trent Jr., um, mm-hmm. who's, who's really become great at that as well. So those could be areas where they could get uh, buckets as well in transition and, and semi-transition. It's all very intriguing stuff. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back on the other side. We're going to dig into some bench rotation stuff from Nick Nurse last night. uh, And we'll also hand out the dude of the game. Uh, And then we're going to pivot in the final segment into talking 905 as the playoffs kick off for the 905. They had a bye in the first round. They take on, I think, the College Park Skyhawks tomorrow. Capital City Go-Go. Capital Capital City City Go-Go. That's right. They beat the College Park Skyhawks. Uh, We're going to continue on here uh, in just a sec. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Shady Ray. It's a brand new sponsor for the show. They are an independent sunglasses company that gives you the features of $200 sunglasses for a fraction of the price. That means polarized lenses. You get well-constructed, durable frames and premium high-end finishes. Also, something you won't find anywhere else is Shady Ray's insane protection program. Shady Ray's includes lost and broken protection on every pair. They will send you a brand new pair if you lose them, no matter what happened. Give them a try, and if you don't love them, you'll pay nothing. Just a small processing fee. It is wonderful. And let me tell you, these glasses looking pretty good. They sent me a couple pairs. Got some here. They're looking all right. Can I put them over my glasses? Yes, I can. I can't read with these on, and the and the, the, the I can't that hurt my eyes. Uh, but it's not Shady Ray's fault. It's my fault for putting them on the top, top of glasses. Shady Rays is great. Go right now. Uh, they are exclusively uh, offering something to our listeners as well. If you go to ShadyRays.com, use the code LOCKEDON to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's code LOCKEDON for their best deal of the season. 50% off for two or more pairs of Shady Rays sunglasses backed by over 150,000 verified five-star reviews. You got to check out Shady Rays, baby. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we continue on here with your first listen of the day with Andrew Damlin from Raptors Republic uh, talking about the game against the Hawks last night. I want to dig into the bench stuff a little bit because I thought we saw some interesting experimentation, but also a carrying over of some similar themes we've seen with the second unit of late uh, from Nick Nurse last night. The thing that I'm really starting to dig here, Damlin, is the Siakam playing with Thad Achua and Boucher look and sprinkling whoever else you want. Maybe it's Gary Trent Jr. Maybe it's OG once he's back and available. Um, but like that's becoming to me like a staple bench lineup you can go to at the start of second quarters. Uh, I saw someone, I can't remember who mentioned it last night. It might have been our friend Too Much Hoops, Brad Vermont. Uh, and please forgive me if I'm misattributing this, but pointed out that those like Siakam with bench guys lineups are kind of becoming similar to Lowry and bench looks where it's just insurmountable. Like it's, it does, it, it shouldn't work probably, but it does. There's not a lot of shooting. It's just a lot of elbows and rebounding and like meanness and arms and length. Um, but for you, like, how do you feel about the way those in-between lineups are coming together here, Dan? Because I think we know like the, the starting five is going to be what it is. It hasn't been terribly effective necessarily in terms of the overall season stats when they have their main guys available, but 
Eye test wise, I think it still should be something they lean on. Um, and maybe the numbers had there was a lot of noise in the numbers this season for a lot of different reasons. But um, I, I still believe in the in the viability of that starting five. We know that there's going to be certain iterations where they work in more of those long dudes and everything like that. Um, you know, we saw some interesting wrinkles last night with Malachi Flynn and Fred Van Vliet playing together with Siakam on the bench to start the fourth as a means of getting him some rest and having some ball ball handling out there. Uh, how are you feeling right now about the way Nurse is using his bench rotation? And do you have any sort of pet favorite lineups like I do with that trio of bigs off the bench with Siakam and then insert fifth player here? Well, Chris Boucher, first of all, always will have a special place in my heart, the former G League <laughs> MVP, Defensive Player of the Year. And he's realized his sort of destiny as energy guy, offensive rebound guy, make an open corner three as like a tertiary option type of thing. Mm -hmm. I think he might have been out of his element a bit a bit last year in Tampa, although he did have a good season. And he started off the season so poorly, as we know. But the energy and offensive rebounding and the length, like you said, on defense – but I think what stems everything is the, is the offensive rebounding, elite offensive rebounding from the team. They had 20 last night as well. And when you can count on that energy, count on those extra possessions when you're trying to get certain guys rest, then you could feel good about a largely benched lineup heading in. And also, the starting lineup is is what it is, but it's not the closing lineup. So, you know, Ken Birch um, starting got to get two blocks on Trey Young, which is pretty cool. He timed them perfectly, got like full hands on the ball. Um, so... You know the the um, the closing lineups with Precious and um, is is something you could count on as well. So mm -hmm. the, the bench has been fun. Malachi Flynn is he really going to see the floor in the as much as I'd like to see that? Um, another well, he's played a few G League games, not that many. But um, is he really going to be a reliable ball handler for you? Is he going to be part of the rotation come playoff time? I doubt it. I feel like the rotation shrinks down to like seven plus once you yeah. get down into the I feel like OG playoffs. swaps him for him pretty comfortably like in sure. the they ran last night. You, right? you, you can never even think of OG in a playoff context, you know, because he never even <laughs> participates in the playoffs. So you hope you, you, you hope he gets you hope he gets in obviously and that that is a massive upgrade over whatever you thought your eighth option was. Mm -hmm. uh, before, but the, the bench lineups and experimentation continues for Nick Nurse, no matter what point of the season it's at, and he's still trying things out as we as we approach the playoffs. Yeah, I think for me, I'm pretty comfortable with the main eight of you know Siakam, Barnes, OG, Fred, Trent uh, as the starters, and then Thad, Boucher, Achua coming off the bench. I thought Thad was really nice last night. He's been just like a delight to watch. The YMCA game from him is just out of the control. Uh, the offensive rebounds, the weird like scissor kicks, the flip shots that he puts up are fantastic. Um, you know, I think those eight guys are probably your trusted rotation. And then you weave in other guys like Kem or Malachi Flynn as needed, you know, matchup wise. Um, yeah, it, it, it's they're so dependent on that back three, the, the, the Fad Boucher Achua trio coming in and doing things right like that. They're really, really prone to top heavy nights where it's you know four or five starters are fantastic but they just get nothing from those in-between lineups you know i don't think it's quite as dire as say like the sixers situation where Embiid sits and everything falls to hell but I, I do think there is a potential that like whatever series they're in is going to swing on what kind of performances they're getting from those bench guys that's maybe not like a grand take take to have right it's oh the, the three of the eight players have to be very good and knock down threes yeah that checks out um but yeah I, I i think i'm comfortable with the way they've kind of figured things out here 
And I think working OG back into the mix, you know, he's going to be able to fill in in those lineups with Siakam, I think. I do like the Barnes-Fred pairing and the Siakam-OG pairing as, like, if you're going to stagger minutes and then you sprinkle Trent in wherever you want. But uh, I like staggering those guys as sort of the duos. Um, so, yeah, it, we'll see. But I'm pretty impressed with how the bench guys have kind of come along here. I know it was a rough game against the Heat on Sunday, but for the most part, I've become quite trusting of those three guys coming off the bench. Thad's been really strong lately, just connecting everything. I think he's going to close some games in the postseason, depending on matchup as well. Uh, you know, we've seen him really work alongside those starters. And then Precious and, and Boucher, there's always a case for one of them to close too. They've been just that that fantastic. And if you need a little bit more beef out there, the starting five is not giving you all the size that you need or whatever, which seems, you know, it doesn't happen often because they're enormous three through five. But, um, you know, I, I think that's a, a pretty intriguing way to potentially, you know, close games too is to work in a precious like we saw last night where his defense just blows so many things up. You know, I was really worried last night that not having OG was going to leave them prone to a fourth quarter Trey Young outburst. And Precious did such a wonderful job switching on to him, working in the pick and roll, hedging high, you know, sending traps, stuff like that. I thought he was just really, really sublime in uh, in, in haranguing Trey Young, which is not an easy thing to do because that dude, very good at basketball, also very good at grift, as it turns out. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I foully drew on Kem Birch in the backcourt that drew oh the eye of everybody. Have some so shame, upsetting. dude. Have some I know, shame. Man. It's, uh, so, it's so funny. The... With Trey Young, during the first half, there are just moments where the Raptors kind of let go of the rope. Just yeah. didn't pick him up in semi-transition, let the Kevin Herter leak out for an, an assist from Young as well. And it's like you can't have those let go of the rope moments in the playoffs where James Harden can take over or any superstar on the Celtics mm -hmm. or whoever. Like There were just moments like that in the first half that were a little bit troubling. But I'm curious. I, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned OG as a yeah. possible ball handler. Like, with all this time that he's missed, and who knows if he even gets a regular season minute for the rest of the year, how sort of ball handler dependent do you think the Raptors you know, – I think they would give him the ball to create at this stage of the season. They wanted that at the beginning of the season, but as it's gone along and he's missed more and more time as the end of the season has approached, do you think that's going to still be a role for him, or do you think it's going to be more like catch and shoot, attacking closeouts kind of thing? I don't think there's going to be a ton of OG face-up stuff, just because I think, like, why do that when you can have Siakam do that and maximize the possession? But I do think we'll see quite a bit of post-up from him, just because the Raptors are a matchup hammering team, right? And they're always kind of looking, because they're so huge all the time, there's usually someone who has a matchup, and... OG is stronger than most people. <laughs> and so I think as a way, and he's proven to be a pretty good passer from the post as well, hitting cutters from the 45, hitting cutters from the top, hitting, you know, shooters, what when doubles come, things like that, getting the swing going. So I think that's probably the avenue by which they get OG the ball is in the post. You know, those seal outs in semi-transition as well, I think are a pretty good way to mm -hmm. get him looks. I would be pretty uh surprised if they had him run like a bunch of pick and rolls but um i still think there's a role for him for sure on offense because of the way that they're going to orient things and because the playoffs become about sort of picking at the wound of the other team i think og is going to be really helpful in that if he's available and it sounds like he should be he's not going to play I, I would imagine against the sixers on thursday um but nurse said he was a lot better last night than he was on monday so Fingers crossed there. And again, the 10 days between now and the start of the postseason potentially is uh, is quite a nice thing to uh, and a bit of a cushion as well. So, um, yeah, I I, uh, I I don't remember where I was going to go. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, oh, 
Due to the game. That's where I was going to go. Due to the game time. Damlin, uh, I give you the honor. Who was your due to the game from last night? For those who are not aware, who are just tuning in to celebrate the playoff uh, appearance and all of that. Uh, any, uh, This is the, the award we give out to the player who was not necessarily the star of the game. So Pascal Siakam never wins it because he's always too good. Uh, but someone who did some uh, good stuff on the margins to help the Raptors win last night in a grimy way, perhaps. Uh, who do you guys are due to the game? Is it too... Overstated, you know, it's it's not understated, but Chris Boucher is that an okay? No, that's perfect. That's why an okay not? choice. Um, Hell yeah! Why, why, why not? He's. Uh, I'm trying he's to learn the life. rules of the game, the due to the game. I'm like, <laughs> do I choose Cam Birch? He went two for three and had two blocks and eight rebounds. I was like, I was, let's let's think about this for a second. So yeah, no, Boucher definitely just t- only 22 minutes. And he goes seven for 11 for 18 points. That's one other thing I wanted to mention. Like even in a game like this where you. It's not like as if you won handily. They had to win a close crunch time game. But Siakam plays 40 minutes, and Van Vliet, who's still kind of coming back, plays 36 minutes. So mm-hmm. you would have hoped, hopefully, that Achua plays more than 24 minutes and Boucher plays more than 22 minutes. But super efficient 22 minutes, three for five from three, hit those two huge threes in the fourth quarter, catch-and-shoot stuff that is going to be critical in the playoffs like we talked about. And just that energy on the offensive glass, three offensive rebounds and – it's uh, you, there's so many nose for the ball offensive rebounders uh, mm-hmm. on on the Raptors, and we're going to talk about the 905 as well with Champagny. But what annoys me is is these guys always get questions about how do they get have this nose for the ball? How is it you know how are they great such great offensive rebounders? And they always say, well, it's just will or it's something like that. It's like it's got to be more than that. Everybody's trying <laughs> hard, right? Yeah, it's geometry, you, baby. They know those angles. They know obtuse, acute, etc. They're they're killing on the angles exactly, <laughs> and they they know when to make their move towards the basket, when to body a guy under the basket. And I'd like to hear it broken down more in a scientific way from those offensive rebounders. But but Boucher did a did a fantastic job. And all those tip-ins, all those tap-outs are, are, are going to be so valuable in the playoffs in those you know classic 50-50 ball situations. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Boucher last night, the offensive glass, 20 offensive rebounds for the Raptors last night. Three for Boucher, five for Thad in 15 minutes, which is hilarious. Barnes had six. Uh, that, uh, you know, that is a thing I'm fascinated about when we get to the playoffs. We can examine that and more when we kind of look ahead next week uh, and we're getting ready for the postseason and we know the opponent in mind. But the offensive rebounding is going to be both a strength, I think, and a potential sore spot. And we saw it last night. You mentioned uh, just in sort of your breakdown of the, the, the when the Raptors let go of the rope in the middle of this game, you know, the, the leak outs were a problem. And those are going to be a thing that I would imagine well-coached teams are going to try to hammer home and say, yeah, we might give up some offensive boards because we're not crashing the defensive glass. But when we do grab one, if we have a particularly dominant rebounder down there, we can get away with a lot of easy leak outs because the Raptors are selling out so hard to hit the offensive boards. That'll be a fascinating little, I think, um, inflection point in whatever series the Raptors end up playing. We're going to continue on and talk 905, baby. Uh, they take on the Capital City Go-Go tomorrow in Mississauga to kick off their playoff chase. And uh, they're quite good, as it turns out. Had a first-round bye, and we're going to dig into Justin Champagny in particular, who's been really, really good down there, kind of quietly putting up some awesome awesome numbers. Uh, and we've got a few other notes to go through as well with our boy, Andrew Dalen. But before we do that, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar who are making the best-tasting protein bars you can find. I'm not a person who has ever really liked protein bars, non-built bar division. They're too sandy. They're too gritty. They don't feel like they're tasty at all. They're not scratching any itch. I can tell you that for sure. 
Built Bar is doing the exact opposite, where they taste good, they feel like a candy bar, they taste like a candy bar, they have all the elements of a candy bar, but they're good for you, and they have protein, and they are not overloaded with sugar and carbs, and they scratch that itch when you're feeling like something indulgent, but you don't want to misbehave too badly. They have flavors for everybody, for every occasion. Mint brownie is my personal favorite. I'm also a big fan of the limited time option, the caramel almond that popped up uh, pretty recently. That was, I think, a Thanksgiving flavor around that time. Been hunting for it again. They have limited time flavors on the site all the time, seasonal options, things like that. Highly recommend you go and check them out and get yourself some built bars. Just build the pantry full. And then whenever you're feeling a little peckish, you can go and grab a built bar instead of having something that's going to be worse for you. Uh, they're all about the taste of built bar. They make it taste great first, then figure out how to make it healthy. I don't know how they do it, but they pull it off every single time. Go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off at built.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we round out your first listen of the day with Andrew Damlin from Raptors Republic talking Raptors 905. We are into your wheelhouse now, Damlin. I have now turned over the keys to you. Uh, let's begin with Justin Champagny, shall we, who has been playing uh, I guess he only played 15 games down there, so it's not like he's been racking up insane minutes totals or anything like that, but he's been playing damn well in those minutes, 35 minutes a game in those 15 games, 13 starts, 20 points a game, eight boards, 1.4 assists, uh, shooting 40% from three on six attempts a game, which I think is the very intriguing number uh, considering he does things already that the Raptors really like in terms of defense and, you know, versatile switching, rebounding, et cetera, offensive rebounding, of course, but the three point shot was always a question for him in college. It was, uh, you know, hit and miss during his start to the season with the Raptors. And now that he's been playing heavy nine Oh five time, he has just been bombing away. Uh, what's the deal with Justin Champagne three point marksman? Okay, so I'm glad you asked. So I remember, <laughs> if you remember, three years ago, Fred Van Vliet, during yeah. the playoffs, couldn't stay on the floor, essentially, against the Sixers. He has mm -hmm. his, his wife has a child, yep. and then everything just turns around from there. Now, mm -hmm. that didn't, the same thing didn't happen, but... <laughs> There's no baby champagne? This, There's uh, no baby <laughs> champagne, but... Okay. <laughs> Armani, Armani Brooks signs with the team for the rest of the season, <laughs> rendering Champagne ineligible. I think it was on the 26th of March. So right. my timeline isn't perfect, but let's assume that on the 25th, Champagne knew that Armani Brooks was going to sign for the rest of the year. He takes mm -hmm. that knowledge, goes out and scores 45 points in the, in, the <laughs> in the next game. And he goes, I got the stat right here from three. He goes seven for 11 from three. And over the next four games, two for seven from three, Four for nine from three and seven for eleven from three again. I think so. I think he's made twenty out of his last thirty-eight three-pointers, including a really uh, clutch game-winning or game-clinching three-pointer in their last game. Delano Banton driving kick to him in the corner, and it was a quick-release three. It was like a three-pointer, three-point shooters three that he mm -hmm. made. 
the amount of confidence that he's talks about coach Patrick Matumbo at the 905, who also coached him in summer league, the amount mm-hmm. of confidence he says he gets from him is, has been everything. And the, the rapport they have to get, they have together was really, really nice. They have these like in-game conferences together where <laughs> Champagne is like so attentive and like hanging on his every single word. So the relationship they've had, the confidence that he says he's gotten from coach Matumbo has led to this um, three point shooting outburst. And also, kind of before this this latest hot streak of three-point shooting, there was different types of three-pointers from Champagne. The, the pre-hot streak was like, I'm working on my three-point shot, so I'm going to shoot it not quite in the, th- in the flow of the offense. Mm-hmm. Now, just about all of his threes are in the flow of the offense. He's especially good at that left-wing three, just a catch-and-shoot in the flow, nothing forced, not, nothing off a dribble or two ever. I, I, I can't think of a, a three he's made where he's actually dribbled the ball, but the shot looks really fluid. And from my floor seat, you can see like the improvement, the elevation, the sort of precision. And it's been a, it's been a treat to watch. And it doesn't see, you know, it's, I guess 20 to 38 is of, of late is um, a smallish sample size, but over the course of the year, 40% from, from three, like he's, yeah. he's proving that he can do it. For sure. And, you know, I guess my question to you is, does it feel like one of those situations where he's kind of being groomed for like obvious rotation duty next year? Like, do you think that's kind of the the next step for him? Do you think he's ready for that? Like, is, he, is he kind of checking all the boxes in the other departments, defense, rebounding, et cetera, the stuff that he was doing really well with the Raptors? Is that still maintaining as he's taking on this greater offensive role? The defense has continued to improve, and he's had to guard big guys um, for much of the season. Like they, 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 they waved their seven footer recently, and they just picked up a new one off the scrap. Classic pit. Raptors, <laughs> right? So, exactly. <laughs> so this is the problem: is, is he being groomed for for playing next season with the team? Well, what's he sixth on the depth chart in terms of that exact position that he plays? Mm-hmm. Uh, so. He could be a good, you know, I think he's an NBA ready piece. He could be a good depth piece, but just on this team specifically, like how many six, seven, six, eight guys can you put in there? But I think he's totally capable. He, and he is capable of guarding bigger guys, uh, switching on to bigger guys. He does great sort of pre work with um, bigger guys, not allowing them deep post position. That's stuff that mm-hmm. the 905 just pound away at all the time, especially on Boucher. Like just they, they, pounded away about the work he did before the catch and that's the stuff that champagne does so well and he's the rebounds he grabs are like notable defensive rebounds there's right. you know they're strong he's got a good block out and he he's the one emerging with the board so and he's obviously a great athlete he's got that jay billis second jump ability um where he gets off the ground really really quick and the most unique thing that he has is he like he likes to jump from the right side, finish with his left hand, jump from the left side, finish with his right, gets him closer to the rim. But there's no other player that I can think of that that does that so frequently and with so often that that right. he does. It's not just a layup; it's like kind of like these like mini jumpers too, with his left hand from the right side. So he's like good at playing these angles. He knows he's obviously smaller than the average power forward, if you will. So he's got to get off his shots in different ways. And that improvement has been has been so good and so efficient at the 905 level. It's not just like playing through missed shots, continuing to be inefficient. It is efficient, and I think he's definitely NBA ready piece. I mean, I'm not sure if it's going to be with the Raptors next season um, as a as a rotation piece, but he's an NBA player. 
Well, so here's my thing is I, I think under like a traditional team build, I would agree like, oh, he's like the sixth forward on the team. He's not really going to get in there. But the addition of Thad Young at the deadline, the fact that the Raptors uh, play one or two guards and everyone else is the same size kind of leads me to believe that they'd be pretty comfortable just like slotting him in as another guy to throw in with all those different versatile looks. And if he's going to be a shooter, that makes him even potentially even more valuable. Right. And I do think, you know, I made this point last night. If the Raptors run back this exact team next year, I think I'm totally content. Like let it grow, let it build, marinate it all you want, bring back Thad and Boucher who are the free agents. But you can't bring back both of those guys if some team out there goes crazy and offers Boucher a ton of money and you don't want to match it. If Thad Young goes somewhere else, like Champagne feels like some really nice insurance for those guys if they do end up going out the door and you can replace them with a like-for-like type player. Obviously, they don't all do the same things, but they have a similar sort of build as players. And so I do think there's a very real chance that whether they retain all their guys or not, Champagne's just kind of thrown into the pipeline of all these, you know, six eight to six nine dudes. I guess he's the short end. He's like six six. He's uh, he barely even fits into the damn team with that uh, <laughs> that build. But um, like he feels just like another guy to throw into that stable. And you know, my point that I've made is like the Raptors aren't necessarily versatile in the number of ways they can play. They really are just going to play the one style and beat you into the ground with it or lose with it. But if you have more options, that gives you different iterations of the same style to play. And I think Champagne could definitely fit into that, which is pretty exciting. Um, Dan, I'm a couple more ask ask you about. Uh, of course, we know Delano Banton's been playing down there a little bit, 11 games this season, not a ton of action. He's averaging 26, 9, and 6 in those games uh, on 52, 42, uh, 53 shooting. The free throw's not so hot. Uh, again, classic Raptors. Um, you know, Banton obviously was really, really exciting at the start of the season. His minutes with the NBA side have been a little less inspiring of late. But uh, what progress have you seen from him down in the 905? Any sort of uh, reason to believe that he could be sort of leveled up and into the rotation next season as well? Or is he someone who might need a little bit more grooming? I think he's... I don't know if he's ready for the NBA, but the the ball handling is incredible. The the, the change of speeds in transition is also mm-hmm. something at his size is something the Raptors don't have. Uh, and the mid range stuff, he he has this loping move. It, once he gets into the lane, he can he obviously sees the floor better than any you know than Van Vliet like literally sees over the top of people is what, sure. is what I mean. <laughs> um, but he's got this loping move where he can slow down, do a euro step, find an open guy. Or even go up for the layup at the last second around the basket. I mean, this is stuff he gets off at the G League pretty pretty easily. And mm-hmm. in the last game against uh, Greensboro, in the fourth quarter, the team was down by eight, and he just absolutely took over the game. Decided he was he was scored or assisted on the next fifteen points in in a in a big game that they they wanted to win. Just getting into the lane at will, drop offs, driving kicks. Um, didn't have a mid-range shot actually in there, and the three-point shot is something. I mean, all those percentage is good. I think it's on a low volume. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's reliable at the moment, but another very promising piece, a second round, late second-round pick, um, and you might have an NBA player. That's a like a legit NBA player. That's that's definitely something to be to be excited about. But like I remember Van Vliet after one of Ben's first games, uh, and he played well. He had a podium game. I think Van Vliet says he's going to have to. He's got one gear right now. Yeah. And um, <laughs> and so he kind of, 
it's like he's in the paint he can slow down um mm-hmm. but in terms of like facilitating the offense like in the half court maybe not quite nba ready but the development's been there and when and listen when you dominate the g league that's a sign it's not like a perfect sign mm-hmm. that you're because the thing is his role is going to be obviously so much different in the nba the way he plays is going to be so much different not just the not just the production but um you know how many shots he gets and how many shots he creates that's going to be that, that that's going to be a transition for him so i think you know another season of seasoning uh in the g league might be in the offing but but there's so many good signs there and and his size is is his size and speed and burst is what's the most enticing to me yeah, if you think this year's Raptors team is long and bizarre and has arms <laughs> everywhere, like throw a Justin Champagne and Delano Banton into the mix next season. You know, maybe Banton's not quite ready. Maybe he's halfway, you know, spends half the season in the G League, something like that, then comes up. But like, it's going to get real weird, even weirder than it already has been, I think, next season. And, uh, you know, I, I I am fully on board with uh, just, yeah, get all the 6'9 guys. It, I've been totally sold. I've been 6'9 pilled. And uh, I, I'm ready for the, the entire ride. Um, last one for you, David Johnson, the other sort of forgotten second round pick for the Raptors because he, you know, the passport's different than Banton's and Banton's get, gets all the hype. Um, and of course, Johnson's been injured in and out of the lineup this season. He has played 27 games, uh, 29 games, started 27, 12 points, 3.2 boards, 2.4 assists, uh, 40% from the field, 32% from deep, 80% from the line. So not incredible shooting splits or anything like that. Uh, any signs of promise here from David Johnson? Is he someone you think the Raptors will keep around beyond this year? Or uh, is it you know maybe going to go the way of uh, Dewan Hernandez, uh, Jalen Harris type thing where, yeah, it, there's some potential there, but maybe it doesn't quite line up as like a long-term fit. You saw what the Raptors saw in David Johnson at the beginning of the season, like a 6'6", kind of freak athlete because of how big he is. Sure. And he, he can leap out of the gym. The decision-making has never impressed me uh, throughout right. the season. Now, he's been in and out of the lineup that you know covid injuries and that's been difficult for him to find a rhythm but you got to be able to count on your two ways to control a g league game and there are just games where he doesn't have it and he's not part of the closing lineup um and is one is more than one season uh, the raptors feel like a second round pick is worth more than one season of waiting around for it i i i doubt it you know there's you see the raw talent, though. You see the elevation on the jump shot. When the three-pointer goes in, it looks so pure. And when he throws down an alley-oop, you're like, this guy is a freak athlete. But just the decision-making, I don't think I've seen enough of an improvement right. um, that, you know, let's say I'm the GM, that I would necessarily keep him. I, I root for the guy. The guy. I root for all these guys, uh, truth be told. Um, sure. They're just they're trying to grind away. They're trying to make, make it into the NBA and the odds are against them. But I, I, I wouldn't necessarily think that he's worth – uh, another year of of grooming to see if he can be a, a, a an NBA roster player. Fair enough. Uh, I'll leave you with this one. We've gone a little bit long, but I, I love picking your brain on 905 stuff, Damlin. Uh, someone that is not part of the Raptors roster uh, proper. You know, of course, Johnson's a two way. Champagne's the two way as well. Banton's obviously on the the regular deal. Uh, someone who has been on the 905, who's been effective this season, someone who people should be tuning into tomorrow, excited to watch. Well, if he's healthy, Isaac Bonga, he's at a hyper extended toe. He's like four years of NBA experience, and he's kind of like a Pascal Siakam light. Light, 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 light. Don't, don't get me wrong. But 6'9", <laughs> ball handler, incredible passer, like 
ridiculous passer. The decisions he makes in transition in the half court are just are, are outstanding. The vision he has. He he grew up as a you know he's 22 years old. He grew up watching Magic Johnson on V on on tapes. He grew mm-hmm. up in Germany. He's from Germany. He grew up watching Magic Johnson. That's that was his inspiration. Just watching tapes from him. So you know the uh, decision making and the uh, and the passing is something that uh, that he values. And I don't know where he goes after this season. He's you know he's an assignment NBA roster player, but he's played so much with the 905. I think Champagne yeah. and Bandit have been up with more with the Raptors than than Bonga. This guy is exciting, and you just you just watch this guy, and you're like, this person is an NBA player. And Matumbo so adamant that this guy is an NBA player, a mature, promising prospect that I hope lands somewhere. I don't know if it's with the Raptors next season, but there's a guy, Isaac Bonga. And if I can name one more, because because yeah. this this gets me passionate. Kevon Harris, he went to uh, Stephen F. Austin University. He has had to change his role. When the guys come down, when Banton and Champagne come down, he goes from 15 shots a game to five shots a game, from right. 25, 30 minutes to 15 minutes. And he plays his role so beautifully. He's a swing man. He's got this kind of quasi-old man game. Got a great post game. Finishes well with the angles. Is a good three-point shooter, and he will get down and defend anybody in the G League. And I don't know if he's on any NBA team's roster or uh, radar, I should say, not roster. I don't think he's on any NBA team's radar right now. But he feels like a Paul Watson to me, someone that came to the Raptors uh, organization after a few obscure years elsewhere. Um, And although he was with the bubble team, didn't play. Uh, So, yeah, he was with with the bubble team in 2021 and didn't really play that much for them. This Mm -hmm. guy, another NBA prospect. So those two are... Guys to look out for if they catch that break somewhere, if they find the right situation in the NBA, they should be on an NBA roster. Really exciting stuff, man. Uh, excited to check out the playoff game tomorrow. It's a one game elimination, uh, which is highly stressful and all that good stuff. And the playoffs happen real quick. So be sure to follow Damlin to get all of your info on the 905. Anything in particular people should be checking out? Well, my Twitter is my name, Andrew Damelin, and I missed uh, Transition D. I will say that was a good handle, and I uh, hope you sold it for a high price. Yeah, I know it was good. <laughs> People have, say, have said that they missed it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if I should if I should go back to it. But yes, uh, I'm just going to go to my, Twitter now and claim it. And <laughs> my uh, handle is my full name. You. Yes, <laughs> and uh, you can check out. I do a podcast every now and again called The Interview on the Rapcast Raptors Republic Podcast Network. I interview uh, any players from the Raptors 905 head coaches and co- a lot of college coaches um, a lot of famous college coaches have come on the Ooh. podcast so uh, Don Staley for example is, is one I, I interviewed Hell recently yeah. the, the absolute goat so that would be another place where you could check me out fantastic thanks so much Damon love having you on the show we'll have you back again soon enough and uh, those of you out there thank you so much for tuning in and making us your first listen of the day go make your second listen of the day Locked On Today which is our daily general sports podcast covering all the biggest stories in sports and I was on the episode for today talking about your Toronto Raptors the trademark team you do not want to play in the first round Uh, really good chat over there with my pal Pete Bukowski if you want to go check out Locked On Today it's a nice 15-20 minutes of a good download of all the big stuff in sports from the night before go listen to that uh you can follow this podcast on twitter at locked on raptors i'm at woodley sean you can follow subscribe rate review on all the podcast apps and subscribe on youtube it's much appreciated we'll be back again tomorrow to look ahead to the raptors sixers game i also have something planned i don't want to 
spoil it just yet because it hasn't all come together just yet. But that's a tease, baby. Uh, and then on Friday, we will break down the game against the Sixers with Yasmin Dewala from Yahoo Sports, Dishes and Dimes, and all over the place. So with that, we will round out the show. We'll talk to you again on Thursday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.